This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Are you there in your Bible? James chapter 3, and let's thank the worship team one more time. Let's clap for these guys. And fantastic. Okay. James chapter 3, go to verse 3. If you are new to our church, just joining us, I want to quickly just make sure we're all on the same page before we jump into the scriptures. So, we believe that the Bible was written by a number of humans, a number of men. However, we, we don't believe it was guys just writing. We believe it was God who arrested their pens And through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they wrote what God wanted them to write. So the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed. In the Greek there is the words theonousos. It's the breath of God. God breathed on these pens and inspired this writing. So in other words, God all the way back then inspired some guys to write some stuff we needed to hear in January of 2019. So God knew what you'd be up against. He knew what you'd face. So he's come to equip you with his word. So this is a book of the Bible called James. We are pretty convinced that it was Jesus' brother, James, that wrote this book. James has a passion. And his audience was living a life, a faith life, that came to church on Sunday, but never applied anything on Monday. This audience was convinced, as long as I got my, my, my salvation and, I, and I'm going to heaven, I'm good. I can live however I want to live. God doesn't really care. As long as I believe, I can do whatever I want. James is here to say, no, 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 no. God cares about your Sunday, but he's more passionate about your Monday. He doesn't want you just to have faith. Faith without works is, we talked about it last week, it's dead. So he's passionate about applying our faith to our everyday life. How does our faith manifest or walk out on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday? And what does it look like in our house? And what does it look like in our workplace? What does it look like in our culture? This is James' big passion. So he starts in chapter 1 and he talks about tests and temptations. He gets to chapter 2 and he's really passionate about favoritism. I love that we're praying over tomorrow and over our nation because God hates discrimination. The reason why you hate discrimination is because you are made by a God that hates discrimination. So when that righteousness rolls up in you, that's God rolling up in you. Somebody say amen to that because God hates it. He addresses it in his word. So he talks about favoritism and he talks about faith and the application of it. And then he gets to chapter three and he addresses our tongue. Anybody by show of hands, your mouth has ever gotten you in trouble? Some of y'all should lift two hands right now. He knows that. So he's addressing how do we tame our tongue. Let's just read today's reading, James chapter 3, and this is what it says in verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example, although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder and wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. 
The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and sea creatures are tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Oh man, you're going to love this chapter. I want to preach a message tonight, write down the title. It's called Teachers Taunting and Taming the Tongue. Oh, you're going to love chapter 3. Teachers taunting and taming the tongue. Let's pray together and let's believe that God will come and speak to us tonight. Anybody believe that God has a word for you? Come on, anybody just want to hear what God has to say? Seven people are clapping. Anybody else excited? Remember, church is only fun if it's loud. So we came to a loud church. Where the Mexicans at? No, let me say it again. La Cucaracha, La Bamba. Where the Mexicans at? I like this one. She goes, yay, 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 yay. Okay, a little scary, but I liked it. Come on, let's pray. God, thank you tonight that you are loving, you are kind, you are good. You're so gracious. Tonight we ask by the power of your presence, will you help us see you tonight? Will you help us dis- block out all distractions to hear you tonight. We thank you that you are so kind. You are for us and not against us. We remind our soul and our situation of who you are. We thank you for all the good things you have planned in 2019. We say yes and amen to those things. And God, we thank you that you answered our prayer. The Rams got to the Super Bowl. We're going to stop our prayers there. But Lord, we thank you that the Lakers will win the NBA championship this year. In the name of Jesus and everybody said together. Come on, let's clap and thank the Lord, L.A. Let's clap and thank Jesus. Amen and amen. Write down number one. I'm going to jump right in. What we say matters. What we say matters. Now, James is going to teach us that all of us will be held accountable for our words. All of our words matter. But he starts chapter 3, verse 1, and he starts talking about teachers. Now, there were people in this time period that wanted to be Bible teachers or pastors, connect group leaders, and they wanted to be these people because of status, because of reward, because of lifestyle, but they didn't understand what came with this position. He says, you shouldn't want to be a teacher because a teacher is held more accountable or a teacher will fall under stricter judgment. And the reason why James says that is because teachers are supposed to teach or paint an accurate picture of who Jesus is. Teachers are supposed to show us exactly who God is. That God is a God of grace. God is a God of love. God is a God of compassion. God is a God of justice. God is a God of kindness. In fact, many of us are in church right now and you are trying to get the picture out of your head of the God that somebody told you he was. It was the wrong, wrong picture. And now I feel like Bob Ross. I'm up in this mug trying to... Is that not his name? Bob Ross. Let's go. So, you don't remember him with the afro? Happy trees. Oh, y'all too young for that.
teachers are supposed to paint a beautiful picture of an accurate picture of a good God. So he's saying, guys, no, 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 no. Don't, don't want to be a teacher unless your heart is to serve people and paint a beautiful picture of who God really is. One of my favorite stories in all the Bible is a story about, about a guy named Job. Job has this terrible tragedy. He loses health and wealth and cattle and kids and all kinds of crazy stuff happens. And he's sitting there and he's crying on his porch. He's, he's just crying his eyes out. And these three friends of his come to his house and they sit on the porch with him. And nobody says one word for seven days. They sit there and they cry, and then after seven days, each of his friends start going in on Job and trying to tell him why God did this. So one of his friends is like, you know, God, he does this and da 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 and tell. And then the next guy takes a shot at him. By the way, if someone in your world goes through hell on earth, let's not take shots at them. Let's just love them and be there and be encouragement. And maybe your quietness will help them more than your words. So they start going in on Job, and then in the end of the book of Job, God shows up, and he's like, I've got an issue with all three of y'all, because all three of you painted a picture that I am not. Look in here, Job 42, verse 7. Watch as it comes on the screen. It says, after the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Timonite, I am angry with you and your two friends, because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. You painted a awful, terrible picture of my character and my nature and my love. That's not who I am. I'm here to tell you tonight, I don't know what you grew up in Sunday school learning. I don't know where you're from in the country, but Jesus is better than you think he is. He is greater than you imagine. We serve the Jesus of the cross. We serve the Jesus of love. You can come home anytime. Somebody clap and thank God today. We are serving the beautiful person, Jesus Christ, son of the living God. And so he starts, and he's like, hey, you don't really remember in life the more responsibility you have, the less rights you have. So he says, teachers are held to a higher standard. Teachers will be held accountable. We're all held accountable for what we say, but teachers, they're stricter judgment. And then he gets into this next part, and we read it in our opening scriptures, and he likens the tongue to three things. He calls it a rudder, a fire, and he likens it to domesticating animals. He says, look at ships, how big they are. Little rudders control where they go. He says, or how about a forest fire? This massive fire was started by the little tongue. I'm here to convince you tonight that you have a weapon on your hands. And your mouth, your words could be used as weapons of mass destruction. Or you can use your words to bring healing and life and health and be a help to somebody. He's saying, so do you understand how powerful this little thing is right here? You can with one comment, you can with one thing, you can just one backhanded compliment. One, anybody, you ever get a backhanded compliment? Somebody give you a compliment, you feel worse about yourself? Who am I preaching to right now? He's saying this little thing can start the craziest drama. 
the craziest family drama, the craziest issues. He's trying to teach us it is a rudder, it is a fire starter, and it can, and, and, and it's supposed to be tame. We can tame reptiles, and we can tame dogs and creatures, and, 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 and who, but who can tame the tongue? You ever be mad deep into the Explore page on Instagram? Like embarrassingly deep. You know what I'm talking about? The other day I was on that thing, mad deep, and I seen a dude that was, he had a lion as a pet. And he was like punching it. I was like, nah fam, that's not cool. That's not cool. That's not going to work. And the, and the Bible saying, James is saying, we can domesticate, we can tame all these animals, but who can control their mouth? Who can tame the tongue? Who can say, I'm not going to stop that thing. I'm, I'm not going to say that thing. I'm going to control. And he actually says, whoever can control their mouth can control their whole body. In fact, the greatest form of discipline is in the discipline of your words. Like if you're, if you're physically disciplined and physically fit, that's one thing. If you control your finances and you stick with your budget, that's one thing. But, but to control the tongue is the greatest form of control. Like right now, we're on the Daniel fast. I could walk up into salt and straw. I could be just fine. I don't have to eat anything. I could, you ever notice when you walk into salt and straw, you smell the waffle over the ice cream? I'm just like... Like right now, I, if I can control my diet. He says the greatest form of control, it is not in your fitness, it is not in your budget, it is with your mouth. When you control your words, you have mastered control. He says you've got to start and engage the battle. What he's encouraging us, he's not saying nobody can tame the tongue. He said you can't tame the tongue and so you start engaging this battle. That we've got to fight to, to hold our words and hold our tongue because if we don't, we will start dramas and fires and issues and have all kinds of things going on in our world. World, but if we use our mouth to bring life and we use our words to bring health, we will live in a world of blessing. He's trying to show us, as the Bible says, the power of life and death are in the... So you can speak evil and slander and you can do that, but you will have issue after issue or you can speak love and kindness and encouragement, you choose. I love this verse. Put, put up Proverbs chapter tw uh, 16, verse 24. Proverbs 16, 24 reads it this way. I love this. He says, uh, gracious words are honeycomb and sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Gracious words, kind words. I wonder what your world would look like if you stopped saying everything you feel and start sitting around gossiping and just having the, and fire after fire after fire and say, you know what, I'm going to use my words to help people. I'm going to use my words to encourage others and build up others. And I will live in a world of blessing. I will live in a world of favor and not destruction. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And he's trying to convince us, listen, this thing is controlling your life. And you will have all kinds of fires until you can tame and you can get your tongue wrestled. Some of us just need to take the next step of our faith and just say, you know what? I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be that girl that sits around and just talks and talks and talks. It says in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. If you keep on talking, you're going to say something dumb. So let's just hold our mouth and tame our tongue and control our words so we do not build fires.
And he actually teaches the next section of how to do this because we can't sit here and be like, 2019, I'm going to be more positive. I'm only going to say nice things because he's going to show it. Your words are just a reflection of your heart. So whatever comes out of you has already been sitting in you. So we cannot change our mouth until we change our heart. Because our heart will always dictate what's coming out of our mouth. So let's not be a church that's like, I'm just going to talk better. No, I want Jesus to have access to get into my heart so he can heal me and touch me and deliver me and help me. Somebody thank God right now that I don't have to live with an icky, tainted, disgusting heart. I can be changed by, by Jesus. Listen to the way he says, in fact, write down number three tonight. Bitter waters will create and produce bitter words. Watch this, chapter, chapter 3, verse 9. We use our tongue to praise our God, our Father, and then turn around and curse a person who was made in his very image. Out of the same mouth, we pour out words of praise one minute and curse the next. My brothers and sisters, this should never be. Would you look for olives hanging on a fig tree or go to pick figs from a grapevine? Is it possible that fresh and bitter water can flow out of the same spring? So neither can a bitter spring produce fresh water. The source of your words is the health of your heart. And so what happens is we are bitter, we are envious, we are jealous, we are angry. We are hurt. What is that saying? Hurt people hurt people. You ever see somebody that's mean and nasty? They're just showing you, I am hurt. I've been abused. I've been betrayed. I've been criticized. I've been belittled. I've been abandoned. And so I only say these words because I am struggling right now. I love Jesus because he literally doesn't want to change our mouth as much as he wants access to our heart. And he says, come, come, come. I'll change your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. Bring me your despair and I'll give you the oil of joy. Bring me all of your ashes and I'll give you beauty. Somebody thank God right now. I don't have to stay broken, beaten, and battered. I can be healed by the blood of Jesus. Give him a shout of praise right now if you're thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ. He says, you'll never, you'll never be able to produce good words with a bitter heart. And even if you do, it will sound good for a moment, but it won't last. Eventually, that bitterness is coming out. So God wants to always get to the source. God never tries to heal you from the exterior and then deal with the interior. He always starts with the interior, and then it will affect the exterior. He always wants to get on the inside job and do an inside work. So God's so loving. He says, let's deal with the bitterness and the root of bitterness, and then you'll be able to have nice words. And then once that issue is, is dealt with, you'll have control over your mouth. I grew up with a sister. My little sister, when we were growing up, she used to get in trouble. And my dad, she always had to say the last word, had the last word in. And my dad would be like, you're grounded for tomorrow. If you say one more thing, you'll be grounded the next day as well. I says, run her mouth. He said, okay, say one more thing. You get in another day. And pretty soon she's at a week. 
And she run her mouth. She had two weeks. You ever be with your siblings? You're like, no, stop, stop. She, she rack up two months. She don't care. She's like, uh, uh, uh. she go to her room. You can hear her in the room pacing. Uh, uh. She has so many issues. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't struggle. But anyways. Until God can touch our heart and until he has access to our heart, we will always have an inability to control our mouth because it's coming from a place of hurt. You ever, you ever be around somebody and like, you want to know what I think? No. <laughs> no, I don't. Actually, I don't want to know at all. Because what they're really saying is, you want to know how ugly my heart is? You want to know how hurt I am? And bitter, isn't that amazing? He said, one minute we're in church on Sunday, I love you, Jesus. You're the best. Oceans. <laughs> Next day, we out just like this. Uh, 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 nasty, ugly uh, comment. Uh. Like this could happen to me on the 405. I have a playlist for Spotify and Apple. I'm not choosing between the two. I like both of them. So I got a church, a playlist. It's called Take Me to Church. I can be in my car, listening to worship, getting my praise on. Somebody cuts me off, and I promise I'm gone. I am all the way gone. I went from in the spirit to out the spirit like that. Who am I preaching to right now? Everybody's like. No, it's not good. It's not good. It's God. No, it's not. It's ba we're bad. Yeah, but I relate. He's saying this, this place of bitterness, this is crazy. This place of bitterness will, will always produce bitter words. And remember, it, it's, it's not the things that you put into your mouth that will mess you up. It's the things that come out of your mouth. Jesus addresses this in the book of Matthew. Put it up on the screen. Matthew, look at this, uh, chapter 15. What truly contaminates a person is not what he puts into his mouth, but what comes out of his mouth. That's what makes people defiled. Is it hard to understand that whatever you eat enters the stomach only to pass out into the sewer? But what comes out of your mouth reveals the core of your heart. Words can pollute, not food. You will, you will find living with an impure heart, evil ideas, murderous thoughts, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lies, and slander. It is all a heart issue. God is not trying to change your mouth. He's trying to get to your heart. If he changes your heart, he will change your words. Anybody want Jesus to come do heart surgery so you can have better words coming out your mouth. And he actually, he actually says, if you don't do this and you conceal this bitterness, he said, what will happen is you'll have all the right words and all the right advertisement, but you'll be concealing who you really are. I love James because James, if, if, if you could summer, like theme the book of James, what is, what is James talking about? He wants us to become authentic. He wants us to become real. James is like, I want you to get out of this fake, phony, Sunday-only Christianity stuff and into the money, Monday, real deal stuff. He's talking about a phony. And, and, and just write down the, the uh, number four. I love this. Let your life do the talking. 
And, and, and watch how he addresses this. God, I get so excited. Watch this. James chapter 3, verse 13. If you consider yourself to be wise and one who understands the ways of God, advertise it with a beautiful, fruitful life guided by wisdom's gentleness. Never brag or boast about what you've done, and you'll prove that you're truly wise. But if there is bitter jealousy or competition hiding in your heart, then don't deny it and try to compensate for it by boasting and being a phony, for that has nothing to do with God's heavenly wisdom, but can be best described as the wisdom of this world, both selfish and devilish. So he's saying, when you deal with bitterness and when you don't let God deal with this stuff, what will happen is you will boast and you will taunt and you will brag, look at what I purchased, look at who I'm with, look at my life, and you will advertise a life that is fake. It is not real. You want everybody to think that that's who you are, but when you go home and when you are alone, you hate who you are, you hate your life, you compare yourself with others, you feel small. By the way, the smallness you feel cannot be controlled by anybody in your world. The smallness you feel is from yourself. God didn't make you to feel small. He made you to feel chosen and powerful and love and big and filled with faith. Anybody thankful right now? We are not walking in a spirit of inferiority. We are walking in the spirit of the living God. He said, but, but when, when you got jealousy and you got bitterness, you will try and overcompensate and make everybody believe I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. But you know you're not. Because what you're concealing, you got smooth words, but you got an evil heart. You want everybody to think, I'm good, I'm good. Wisdom is so awesome because wisdom never has to boast or taunt or brag. Wisdom just lets their life do the talking. Wisdom's like, okay, that's cool. So happy for you. I'm just going to keep on having healthy relationships. I'm just going to keep on having peace on my pillow. I'm just going to keep on having the joy of the Lord. I'm just going to keep on having an awesome life. And I'll let my life do the advertising. I'll let my life do it. always makes me laugh. In basketball, we used to be playing, and somebody would be down by 35 points. Some dude hits a three-pointer, starts banging his chest. Like, bro, look at the scoreboard. You're down 35. When you're insecure, you got to beat your chest and brag about yourself. But when you walk in wisdom, you're like, you know what? My life will do the talking for me. I'm in, I'm in love with Jesus. I've got a peace on my pillow. Somebody thank God right now. We are walking in the gentleness and the graciousness of the wisdom of the living God. Let your life do the talking. Some of you feel like, i gotta, I got to image manage. I've got to manage my image so that people think, come on, that's all rooted from insecurity. That's all rooted from fear. That's all rooted from jealousy and bitterness. When you are free by the blood of the Lamb and you've got wisdom in your life, you could give a heck what anybody thinks about you. I only care about what God thinks. I serve one God and it ain't you. I serve one God and it ain't some basement blogger that lives in Iowa. Hashtag too real. Hashtag who am I preaching to now? Oh, that was a lot. I think the scary thing for me is, um, you know, many of us 
think that I love that he keeps using the word phony because many of us think that you have to be what you think people want you to be isn't that a sad way to live because when you walk in the wisdom of God you're like I don't care what you want me to be I only, I only want to be who God wants me to be it's not plagued by fear. But when you got bitterness and jealousy and envy lurking, did you see what it said? It's selfish and devilish. It's selfish because it's so self-serving. What do you think about me? Do you like me? Am I good enough? Can I get your acceptance? Am I, am I good now? You live in that fear and you live in that plague. What will happen, you just have the right words and no fruit from your life. Julie and I, we had this guy years ago in the church, and, and I always just told Julia, like, I don't, all the right words, so smooth, so, mm. but I'm like, oh my gosh, what is he hiding? I don't know, it doesn't, because I don't see fruit, it's got all the right image, but no fruit. When God touches your life, you're like, I stop caring, because God healed me of my past, he healed me of my issues. He delivered me from darkness. I'm not addicted to those things. I'm not a slave to those things. I only want to walk in the wisdom from above. It's more than words. It's a lifestyle. It's more than Sunday. It's a Monday. Here's the last section of worship team. You can come join me. Anybody encouraged tonight by the word of God, James chapter number three. I love James, man. James is a gangster. Write down this last thought. I want to cl close with this. Wisdom is grateful, gentle, and gets along with others. That is wisdom. Wisdom is grateful, it is gentle, and it gets along with others. Scoreboard will do the talking. Your life will tell everybody how you're doing. Wait, but what if they don't know where I was, who I was with, what I... No, 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 your, your scoreboard will talk for you. Don't live in fear. We now live in faith. So the person that walks in the wisdom of God, I love this, is grateful and gentle and gets along with other people. Starts with gratitude, doesn't it? Because over here is jealousy. But when you have been encountering the love of Jesus, you're just so grateful, aren't you? Like just you just wake up tomorrow, you're like, Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you're for me. Thank you that you got a plan for my life. Thank you that I got food to eat. Thank you that I got clothes to wear. Thank you that I live in America. Thank you that I got friends. Thank you that I got a church. Come on, is there anybody at Zoe Church that's heart is filled with gratitude by the faithfulness and the goodness of God? Like you become so grateful you have to praise. You, be so, you become so grateful, you're like, ah, turn off the radio. I need my Jesus music because I'm just grateful. And I'm grateful. Why am I grateful? Because I was going to hell, and now I'm going to heaven, and I was lost, and now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was dead, but now I'm alive, and I didn't deserve it, and I didn't earn it. But God was so gracious. He was pursuing me and loving me even when I didn't have a clue. Somebody thank him tonight because he's that amazing. So wisdom is first grateful. It is first grateful. It is, it is grateful. I wonder what your world could look like if you wake up tomorrow and just say, thank you, Jesus. I'm so grateful. 
Thank you that when I hate myself, you still love me. Thank you that when I can't get the right words, you fill my mouth with praise. So it is grateful. You can sit down. It is grateful. It is, it is gentle. It is gentle. It is gentle. It is gentle. That's why I think James is talking about forest fires and starting fires because that is abrasive. That is demonic. That is evil. But I always find the most Jesus-loving people are the most gentle people you'll ever meet. That's why I don't like arrogant Christians. Who am I preaching to now? Arrogant Christians are so weird. I'm staring this guy down like it's him. <laughs> like, I don't know you, bro. I'm sorry. You're a great target. Because the gospel's not arrogant. Like, think about Jesus. If I can get emotional. As a sheep led to the slaughter, he said no word. They took him. And they let him out. And he didn't say anything. He didn't fight back. He didn't yell at anybody. He didn't raise his voice. He wasn't like, do you know who I am? Do you know what I can do right now? King Kong ain't got, no, he didn't do any of it. Just gentle. Gracious. Remember when you were bitter and you were jealous? how ungracious your words were like daggers like knives I'm about to hurt somebody because I'm hurt but when you get touched by Jesus you start walking in gratitude and gentleness and he says the sign that you really are genuine and authentic and the real deal and the sign that you've transferred from Sunday to Monday is that you start getting along with others it should concern you if you have a hard time playing with others because that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is not about being hard and difficult. It's about being a person that is committed to serving others and loving others and getting along with others. That is the hard work of being a Christian. Just read. These are the last verses, I promise. Then we're going to conclude. Look at this, James 3, last scriptures. Real wisdom, God's wisdom. Begins with a holy life and characterized by getting along, getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable and overflowing with mercy and blessings. Not hot one day and cold the next. It is not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other and treating each other with dignity and honor. What's tomorrow about? Why will many people not go work tomorrow? Zoe Church is closed down tomorrow. Why? Because we're saying as a church and we're saying as a nation, people deserve to be treated with dignity and with respect and with honor. I think you should clap a little bit louder than that. That's not 
a guy's idea that had a dream. That's God's idea that inspired the scriptures and wrote the Bible through a man named James. The robust community, the robust church, the robust country, the robust city, Los Angeles, that you desire can be had, but it can only be had by doing the hard work that is not on a Sunday, it's on a Monday, of getting along with each other. Like this last week is amazing. This last week, we went to my son, he's five. We went to his parent-teacher conference. He's five. Why are we at parent-teacher conferences for a five-year-old? And we sat down with his teacher, and the teacher's walking us through where he's at, you know? You know, like his scores and where he's his report card, whatever. Whatever. He can spell his name. He knows his alphabet. He recognizes shapes. Whatever. Blah, 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 blah. I want to know one thing. Do they love him? Do the, do the kids just love him, huh? Is he not? Is he the most popular? Just tell me. He's the most popular kid, isn't he? Does he just play so well with others? He, they love him, don't they? That's cool. Tell me about him socially. James is saying, that's cool. You love God. You got faith. Big whoop. The hard work of Christianity is getting along with other people, serving other people. I don't know about you, but I want to be marked as a person that can control my tongue, as a person that is grateful and gentle and gets along with others. Anybody else?